space. Here's a steal. Chance for Justin. Shot. Welcome to Outside the Box podcast, part of the Couch GM Network. I am Kat Tarr, and this is Laura Schott. Today we are talking to Kyle Wilson, and he is a Instagram phenomenon talking about all things soccer, from youth soccer, he has a soccer calculator. You can uh, look him up on Instagram, YouTube. Uh, he has, what, 35,000 followers? Yeah. So he's being really hitting it out of the park right now. Uh, we're looking forward to talking to him about um, anything from youth soccer to college soccer to, again, the calculator to pro soccer, and uh, we're really happy to have him on today. If you guys enjoyed the Outside the Box podcast, anything Couch GM, then you can support us by buying houses. <laughs> Lots of houses. You can support us by buying all the houses. No, for real. Um, we're with Tar Team Real Estate and supporting Southwest Washington and Oregon. And this is, of course, our passion, but our day job is committed to serving you guys in buying and selling. And Laura, soccer, Laura. And real estate and everything. <laughs> And yes, all yes, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, help me out here. Um, yeah, awesome. Cool. Kyle, uh, this is Kyle Wilson. Welcome to uh, Outside the Box. I'm Laura Schott. This is Kat Tarr. Hi. Uh, great to have you here. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. I appreciate the, the time to have a conversation and talk about you sports. Yeah, I've um, been really excited about what you've been doing and uh, what you've been putting out on, on mostly Instagram is what I've seen. I know you got YouTube. I know you've got other platforms, but... Uh, tell us a little bit about um, your involvement in soccer. Where do you want me to start? I know there's a million places. How about you just start with uh, footnotes of your background, like a minute of your background, although it's very extensive. Okay, so born and raised uh, Alexandria, Virginia, so DMV area. Played at all levels of youth, youth soccer from rec to DA. Uh, played overseas twice as a kid, or I went on trial twice, I should say. Um, 12 years old, went to Pometas in Brazil. At 13, went to Olympic Lyonnais. And um, ended up playing Division II college, played semi-professional soccer in Europe and France, right outside Saint-Étienne. Um, got hurt, made the U.S. men's national futsal team for AMF. So did the World Cup qualifiers in 2018 and did the World Cup in 2019 in Misiones, Argentina. Um, and then just kind of packed up my bags, got into coaching, really. And here I am today doing what I do now. Woo! Yeah, that's a lot. That was <laughs> also very good. That was, I didn't time it, but I think you were right on cue. Yeah. So I did yeah. as soon as possible. So uh, now catch us up to what you're doing now. I'm sure there's a lot of people that already have seen your content, uh, have listened to what you're putting out. Um, how, would you, how would you describe uh, the work you've been doing? I think the best way to explain it would be when I was a kid, my parents were average parents, never played sports. I mean, they did play sports, but never played sports at a high level, never went above high school. I don't even think my parents did anything in high school sport-wise, so they didn't have a clue and uh, we actually did the math. So it came out to be 82,593 bucks um, that they spent on me to play youth soccer from basically six to 18 years old, which is obviously a ridiculous amount of money. And um, what I'm trying to advocate for now is value. So parents are going to pay $3,000 a year for their fees and whatnot. And there's places that are more, there are less, but just use the ballpark number. And you should be getting value greater to what you're paying for. And that's really what I'm trying to advocate for because what I've noticed since I was a kid um, to where I'm at now, it's only gotten more diluted. It's only gotten worse. And it's only gotten to a point where people realize that they can make a lot of money from this. And I realize that with pay to play, everybody can make money. That's fine. But I don't want people to lose sight of why we're actually doing this. And it's for the kids. Yep. That, and, and I think that's where 
the direction has gone off of where like people realize they can just make a lot of money quickly. Fine. You can make your money, but don't lose sight of why we're actually here. And the whole point of us being here, whether it's me or Laura or Kat, when we we're on the field, we're here for kids. We're not here to just make money. And I, I think Kyle, that's a huge issue that I have. Yeah. And I think that's an issue that a lot of people have. I know for Laura and I, as you know, we've stepped out of, I would say the majority of our, of coaching because of those issues. And I, you know, I was just at the NCAA convention and what do you think was the biggest message from the coaches is they see it and they feel it and it's something we can all touch. And it's all something we, we know exists, but how the heck do we solve it? Right? Like what, what are, what are you talking about to the parents, to the clubs? And maybe those are two separate things on, on ways to fix this. Well, so I think there's a couple of issues, but, uh, one, it starts with U.S. soccer. Um, they've let it get to this point. Um, and that's, you know, they're not going to change. It's, it's only gotten worse. And, you know, there's probably a lot of backdoor deals going on that put it in the situation that we're in. But, and I'm not going to say that it's the parents' fault, but I think the parents have the biggest responsibility to play because if they educate themselves, then they can not get ripped off. So, like, the argument that I always make is I'm one guy, um, and, and me and Laura were talking this off, off camera before, um, I do all the content myself. My wife helps me, but I'm one person, right? So it's not like I have a team of people coming out to put this content together and produce it and make it and um, release it. It's, it's me. So, and I've yeah. put out tons of information and details for parents to actually learn because what happens is when a, when a parent learns, they'll realize at least they might not agree with everything that I say, but at least they'll have a better idea of what to look for. And then they have a, much better chance of not getting ripped off. So like a great example would be, I put together what I call the youth soccer playbook. Um, and I, I don't have kids yet, but at some point I will. And what I put together was a path from basically birth to hopefully signing a division one contract or a scholarship or becoming a pro. Obviously you can't guarantee it, but at least there's a pathway. So it's, I break it down into five phases. You have pre-phase, phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four. And it's all dependent on age. And I walk you through what I would do if it was my son or daughter. And I have a a boys edition and a girls edition. So I just think stuff like that to help people understand, like you need to be more aware of what's going on. And when, when you're aware that would force organizations to have to change to do better because then you can demand more. Yeah. I think too, that we're finding that the clubs are, are saying that it's our duty as the club to inform and to educate. And what I'm seeing is that a lot of the information that they're feeding these families and feeding sounds like there's malice. Like I don't necessarily think every club is doing it. No, I think that they're being told from, from their heads that this is the way it should be done. And then the information oftentimes ends up being distorted. um, You know, that you should pay this much money, that that's just the way it is. I also think we're at a spot now where that's just the way it's been done. Yeah. So if somebody, you know, has a passion for soccer or they want to start a club or they want to get involved in a club, there's a model that's been laid out and, you know, everybody's kind of taking the same route. I haven't seen a lot of, you know, things outside the box. So, um, you know, what are some things that that you're seeing, maybe some people that are are doing things differently and how can parents find, uh, you know, information. I know that you're giving it out. I know that you're giving it out for free, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some ways that parents can educate themselves on you know, the club system and how to help their children? Well, I want to add one point that you said a second ago, Kat. Um, and it was 
remind me exactly what you said because I, I don't want to forget the point that I just had. And I'm drawing a blank. Uh, you made a comment about yeah, that the that I don't think the clubs are coming from a, a bad spot all the ah, time. I think yeah. that they're being instructed to give information. I'll give, and you, that... I'll give you a perfect example on that. So I run okay. my own organization as an owner, director, and a coach. We had a guy that's no longer with us um, in the organization in the membership group that wanted us to do what I call the cash cow route, where you just the exact yeah. opposite of what I talk about. Just go make as much money as possible. Don't care about the kids. Do what you need to do to make the business big. Um, and I always advocated against that because I'm like, again, the point is we're here to help kids. They're playing with yeah. us. We want to make sure that they improve. So it, it's not every single organization, but there are a majority of them that have taken that route because they know they can make the excessive amount of money that they're making. Like I have an organization without using names that's five minutes from my house. They revenued last season or last year as a nonprofit, $2 million. Wow. And what are they doing to actually make an impact to help kids outside of giving a single scholarship? And they're charging a good amount of money. And they have a lot of levels from rec all the way up to MLS next. So it's like they have the resources to go educate people, but they're not going to do that because they make more money with uneducated people. So just, mm. just I want to make sure that was clear ahead of time before we, we produce for it. So I'm sorry, yeah. Nick, Laura, if you could ask that yeah. question again. No, that's fantastic. Um, there's there's so many points to be made. Um, so in that climate, and it, it's almost hard to talk about because I feel like when, when we talk about these things as people who care a lot about kids and care a lot about yeah. the environment and care a lot about development, um, you know, when we say things like cash cow, even though in a lot of instances, I think we can all agree that it's accurate, um, you know, people start to kind of go like, oh man, what's the angle? You know, why, why are they, what are they talking about? Because yeah. it's so hard to see and there's not an alternative. Um, yep. So how can parents educate themselves um, and what are some things that they can maybe ask? What are some pathways they can take to find out if their coaches, if their directors, if the people they're getting involved with uh, have their, their kids' best interest at heart? Okay. So what I always tell parents, and this is actually something that I went through, so I'm going to share from experience, would be when I was like six years old, I was at a small club and my parents found a coach that seemed to really care about development and he had an idea of what he was talking about. So he wasn't even from America. He was from actually from Africa, uh, Cameroon specifically, but he was born and raised in France and then moved here. Point is though, my parents found a coach that cared and wanted to do the right thing. So, and usually from my experience, those are pretty easy to find because they don't just talk about it. They do it on the field. So you have, they'll act differently. They'll behave differently. You'll see things that are different than what an average practice will look like. Because yeah. if you go to an average practice, like I could, again, walk down the street five minutes and I'll see scrimmaging the entire time. That's what they do from the beginning of practice, except maybe for a warm up, and then they're doing scrimmages for the next hour, hour and a half. So those are the type of things that are the average. Um, so you need to look for a coach that cares about doing the right thing. Now, how do you identify somebody like that? They're going to do things. Uh, this is what I would say from a very general standpoint, especially if they're younger kids. They're going to do things like dribbling, juggling, 1v1 and skill work. That's it. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. It's very basic. It's intrinsic. It's fundamentals. And um, what I but would also advise. But if it's intrinsic, sorry, if it's intrinsic, then you know, though. Right. Do you know it's, what I mean? It's pretty simple. It's flow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I'll, and I'll add this point, too, because I think I've dealt with parents that get confused with this point, and I call it um, training that sells. And what I mean by that is, You'll see trainers, coaches, um, put, for example, two cones down, and they're going to tell kids to do these little two-cone patterns where they go like pull, push, pull, push, pull, push. Like, that's not actually coaching. Anybody can go put two cones down 
and come up with a pattern in their head in about five seconds and then come up with another pattern in, in another five seconds. Like that's not actually training. That's stuff you can do at home. Fine. But yeah. you can't really translate that all to the field. And I, what I want parents to really understand is what children should be learning should be transferable to the game. Long story short. It should look like the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can do like the stuff that we do. Again, I'm not perfect in any way, shape or form. I've, I've made millions of mistakes. But what I will say is like 90% of the technical training that we do, you can do without any cones. You just need a ball. So to meet the level of the kids that we're at, we do a lot of ball mastery skills that are a kid and a ball. That's it. They don't need a cone to do the skill work. Yeah. Kyle, um, so I help with, I do have kids. I've got three kids. Two of them are playing and two of them play for our local club called Pacific FC. Pacific Mm -hmm. FC is the only volunteer-based soccer club in our community. And when I say volunteer-based, I mean that every single person who's on that field with those kids is there for free at no cost. Most of the times, as you know, paying to gas and all of the things to coach. We do have through sponsorships in the community, a director that is paid that is able to educate the coaches. We took some of those coaches down to the NCAA convention. Our goal is to give them value without creating a very high dollar figure for the parents. Here's Here's the catch though. And this is something that I wrote down because I, I watch your videos and I, and I know there's the problem and we're trying to create solution in this club, but here's what we're coming up against. Parents are saying one, that the other pay to play clubs, coaches have higher licensure, which mm-hmm. a lot of those clubs are paying for half of the coaches licenses and they're demanding <laughs> that the coaches have the license. So like, we'll only pay you $8,000 if you have a B license. Right. So it's right. And then two, when their kid gets good enough, they feel like they're missing out. Like they almost should be paying to play because if they're not, then they're not getting the best service. So talk to me about ways that I can say, hey, I know it feels like that's right, but focus here on what we're doing because I really have been seeing some really unbelievable change go on in our club. Okay, so I'll start with your first, like point with the whole licensing system. So, you know, yeah. I'll be completely transparent. I just got my C license. Um, I did my Thanks. D license in 2017. Um, and I did that course and I said, I will never touch another U S soccer license ever again. So <laughs> the only reason why I took the C license was because, um, my partner was like, look, just go get it. Do you have the piece of paper? Just do it. And I'm like, okay. And how so much did that it. cost you, Kyle? All in that um, all yeah. in with everything, probably twenty five hundred. Yeah. And how many, how many weeks or weekends or and how much time it away? Was from Sixteen weeks. It was sixteen yeah. weeks. So where I wanted to bring this conversation is like, I, I think it's better than what I expected. So that that's good news. But the, yeah. where I'm going with this, and you brought up the whole B license, you need to have these licenses. Like the licenses are not transferable to where the kids are today. Mm. So what I mean by that is I did the C license. Great. And they're, they're putting you on a platform to try and go to a higher level. So that would be like, for example, at least the way that I viewed it was, Hey, if I have an aspiration of wanting to go be a college coach or go to an MLS Academy or be a pro coach in the future, this is the pathway. But the people that are on the course aren't, most of them aren't going to that level. They're, they want to be in grassroots. They want to be with kids. They want to. No, they want to make $8,000. Yeah, they want to make $8,000. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But my, my point to that is the, the licensing structure does not teach 
coaches how to deal with the actual environment. So an example would be there was guys on my course that, for example, were dads that don't have aspirations to go to a higher level. Well, they're not learning how to deal with the actual environment that they have. They're being taught how to be a better coach on a future yeah. pathway if that's the if that's the road that they want to take. But yeah. they don't know how to deal with kids and what, what the basic level of skill is. Like the D license didn't teach any of that. It was play, practice, play. You scrimmage, you do a scrimmage practice, and then you scrimmage. Very what robotic. Is, yeah, yeah. What, what are we teaching coaches and, and how to deal with their environments? Like there's no ball mastery. There's no give every kid a ball for 15, 20 minutes. It's not let's go play 1v1 because you don't know how to beat somebody yet. It's just do this, do that, do this, and then you go to the C license and then you start getting on this pathway. So that, that would be the first thing that I would say. And I think that's a huge fundamental problem because probably you guys have the same experience. A lot of these coaches don't have the understanding or the resource to know how to deal with kids at their level. Yeah, also the clubs. I mean, when you go to – and I'm, I'm big on education in yeah. every way, um, and mm -hmm. I don't think the licenses are bad in any way either. I think they're, they're positive in a lot of ways. Yeah. However, to, to your point, I think that when you, you go to those licenses and you spend that time and you spend that money and you're trying to mm -hmm. you know, increase your pay grade, the other things that, that can sometimes be missed are, you know, when you take these courses, and I don't know what it was with the C license, but, I mean, how much of a field did they assume you had at a training session? Oh, half. Minimum half. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, how many of our club coaches, yeah, how many of our yeah. club coaches regularly have half a field for an hour and a half, don't. two hours? Yeah, yeah. you don't have yeah. Yeah. Right? That's, that's so, what I'm saying. The licenses don't reflect the environment of what people yeah. are actually in day to day. And yeah. then, like, I, I was talking to uh, not somebody that was in the course, but somebody that's involved with U.S. soccer, and I, I literally asked the question. I'm like, look, do you guys go out and like look at the actual environment? I'm like, I'm not talking about MLS next. I'm talking about what I would consider grassroots, and that's basically yeah. anybody else. So like, oh, no, we don't need to worry. I mean, he didn't say that. But what I took from that was they were not really worried about it. And I'm like, well, that's the problem. You have 1% yeah. of kids that are doing very, very well. Yeah. But then you have the 98% that are being tossed aside and have to learn to figure this out. So I think there's a whole bunch of little problems like that that could be solved very quickly. But they just don't want to take the action to do so. Too much money. Okay. Yeah. Go to number two. And I know I, like, ask multiple questions because I just – my brain goes crazy. But <laughs> – Again, the pay to play. Sometimes parents feel like they're missing out. Oh, yeah. If you get something for free, you said you, you had, you did a non-for-profit, 98 kids paid or played for free. Yeah. I just find there's parents looking over the fence going, but they're paying. So that must be better. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a great example. We did a camp, two camps actually over the summer for free. Um, the first one we did as a tester, we had like 20. 25 kids come out for free and then we did a second one which was like you had to apply to get in so there sure. was no cost except your travel to get there and uh, we yeah. had a hundred and I think seven kids maybe I'm off by one or two but about 107 kids we had 300 people apply we could only accept so many so we accepted 107 give or take and the only thing that we asked for I'm like look we're doing this for free for you guys the only thing we asked for is you give us positive support on social media I think like three people did it so sure. like what I learned from that was people don't value the free option. They want to pay for something that costs them a good amount of money because they feel important paying for it. It's true. It yes. True. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any, so, how do you combat that? I mean, do you have any ways that you combat that actively now and in just the content that you have and trying to explain to people that, you know, there, there are people that will do things that are low cost and free sometimes and, and it's very quality, but yeah, I mean, some, there's something about when people pay to play that it must be better. Mm -hmm. 
do I have something that would combat it? I, I mean, I think the best thing that I can say. Where's what's the magic answer, Kyle? I would say the thing that we try and do, and I don't, I don't know if this is the right answer or not, but we we tell parents like, look, if you're coming to us, it's because you want one thing. It's because you want your child to get better. Um, I don't promise games. I don't promise anything else other than your child will get better if they come to training. And then they give at least 50% effort. So I don't promise that they're yeah. going to play an XYZ league, that they're going to have a badge. That We don't promise any of that. We just say, your child comes to us, they will get better. Um, but, we, I mean, to be completely transparent, we lose 30% of our kids every single year because they go to the badge organization that says you're going to get exposure and you're going to get X. Yeah. And I think parents misunderstand that. And I'm sure you guys can add value to this conversation too. Same like, thing. Same thing here, Kyle. Yeah. But it's like you can play in MLS Next or ECNL, and if you don't know how to actually navigate the process in terms of college recruiting, you're not going to get noticed. So I always say it's there's a difference between exposure, which is being in the environment, and then actually being exposed to the college coaches that are there to actually watch you. People think because you play in MLS Next, pay to play, or ECNL, pay to play, or GA, or DPL, that you're going to get exposed well you yeah you'll be there the people will be there but they're not actually watching you and that's what people don't seem to understand well let's talk about college a little bit since we're there um mm -hmm. I, I saw something on instagram which is where i first saw your your information saw you um and have obviously started to follow you and, and see a lot of your content and appreciate yeah. so many things that you're putting out there um, the other day, I don't think it was maybe a few days ago, you put something out about how many players actually play uh, NCA, NAIA, junior college soccer. Um, and then you mentioned, and I know this is, you know, an estimate, but, you know, there's 30% of players that go on and they move on to another club, right, from, from your format. Um, what do you think out of those, like, let's just say 30% of the players that go on to whatever club that they think is going to bring them the next, I don't know, value, yeah. how many of them, um, you know, receive a full ride? receive even oh, half zero. of all right zero not not even one they're not going to receive it it just won't happen so how do you how do you think how do you how do you think we've gone from 30 percent of people thinking that maybe that's a, a real possibility to it's, it it's not, not even e being a real possibility but it's not even that 30 percent <laughs> because if you go on honestly it's like 50 percent. i mean i'm i'm coaching a new 10 year old boys team right now and, you know, I, I went that pathway, I had the opportunity to play pro. And so they're like, okay, well, here's Kat, she did it. So like the, the numbers are high and mm -hmm. how do I have that conversation? Cause I'm not here to break dreams or like crush little kids. Like my goal is to get them all. If they all want to play pro, I'm, I'm here to help them do that. Sure. But we also have to manage expectations and, and maybe that's not it. Like, talk to me about how I can better serve these families where they all of the boys want to be professional soccer players, right? Sure. So I would say this, like I, I actually made a tweet the other day. So I used Twitter as kind of like my, my brain dump to put ideas out there. For sure. young kids, I, I tell them the same thing. Like, look, shoot for your dreams because parents will be the first ones to tell them that they can't do stuff. And then they get, this, they get mm. into their mind that they can't achieve certain things. And then mom and dad say, well, you need to have the safe option. Um, the best players in the world didn't take the safe option. So obviously there's going to be a, you know, what word do I want to use? Like there's a probability that you're not going to be successful, but the great news is you can always go to school. College will always be there. It's not disappearing. So like one of the things that I wish I did as an older player was when I was preparing to go um, to college, I should have just gone to Europe. I don't think I was mentally mature enough yet to live on my own at that point. But sure. I wish I did make that decision because I could have always came back and got my my damn bachelor's degree, which I have now, which 
I was telling Laura, I'm like, I didn't learn anything in school, maybe in three classes, but one of my final exams, no joke, was to do the MLB fin- uh, fantasy draft. That was one of my final exams. When? So, sorry? <laughs> I said, what a win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it's just like, but to answer your question directly, I, I always tell kids, hey, shoot for the stars. Um, but then I'll, I'll do a private conversation with the parents and say, hey, look, the numbers aren't in your favor. But don't tell your kid that they can't achieve their dreams. They should have a chance to try and shoot for their dreams because, you know, I probably like you guys always dreamed of representing the United States and doing these big yeah. things and being in a World Cup. And I didn't achieve that on the on the soccer side, but I can say I did it on the futsal side, which was cool. So that's something that not many people can say they did, which is, you know, a, a small token that I have in my corner. But again, I'm 0.01% of people that can at least say that. Um, yeah. And it's because my parents never told me that I couldn't do it. But if my yeah. parents would have said, hey, Kyle, you'll never achieve this. and You need to go get a job and do this. Then I don't know where I'd be today. Probably working behind a desk, overweight, um, just doing things I, that I shouldn't be doing. That's funny. Hey, I, so there's, I want to give you um, a story real quick. There's yeah. a parent. I'm watching indoor soccer. There's plexiglass like most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kids, can't, kids can't hear you, right? Yeah. There's a parent. Um, he's got the name of his kid on his sweatshirt. I've seen oh, this guy before. His kid has played probably three games that day um, at the indoor arena on different teams. And this kid shows up on my kid's team and Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh boy, this is going to be a hoot and a holler. And this guy is running down the field, literally like in my face video. My husband's from Germany played, played fourth division Bundesliga. He had to walk away. The dad's, pointing this way and that way and his kids looking at him and he misses the goal and he looks terrified over at him and I want so badly to say something and I don't and I'm seeing this more and more and more and more and more um, as we get older and I want to sit this guy down I want to I want to just say a couple words to him what are you gonna what are you gonna say to that parent I actually had to do a very similar conversation probably a month ago with a parent. Same, not to that effect, but very similar idea. Like his son was a goalie and he was even in training, talking to the kid while he's in goal. And I'm like, dude, I'm running the practice, like relax. (laughs) And so I I literally had an hour conversation. I'm like, look, I'm like, I understand that you want your child to do really well. I do too. We're on the same page. Like there's no conversation about it. Like I want him to do well. I said, but the, the difference is you can't, I'm trying to think exactly how I phrase it to him. Like, you got to give him the freedom to live his own life. And if you're constantly joysticking him or following him or guiding him, and guiding is not the right word, but um, what's the word I want to use? Screaming. And I, I always use the joystick word, but like yeah, managing what he needs to do on the day-to-day. You, your kid's going to quit playing. Like he will quit playing because he would be that kid, same thing, that he would make the mistake and he'd go like this, look right at that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm like, look, if you keep doing that, you're going to ruin the relationship with your kid. And then he's going to want to quit. So he eventually he listened to me and took him a little bit of time to kind of piece it together. Now he just sits in the car and I'm like, trust me, your relationship. Wow. I was like, yeah. I'm like, he, he's, he's now finally starting to like come back out and watch his kid play. Um, and I haven't heard him really say anything to his son. And I'm like, dude, you've made tremendous strides and you're only going to watch your kid grow more because of it. How, what so have you noticed in his what have you noticed in his goalkeeper since? Have you have you noticed him positive? Oh, 300% better. He's not looking wow. at that anymore. Yeah, but it's just, I, I think for kids, it becomes a confidence thing because when when they have to look at mom and dad, they know that if mom and dad is paying attention, they're going to be ripped mm. 
20, 30 yeah. minutes, whatever duration later, they're going to be ripped for it. So, you know, kids are going to make mistakes. That's why they're kids. We make mistakes. Laura, Kat, myself, we make mistakes <laughs> all the time, every single day. And it's like, it would be unreasonable to expect a seven, eight, nine-year-old to never make mistakes. They're going to, and that's how they're going to learn and grow. And so, I would say also, too, if you're adding on, not only are they making soccer is a game of decisions. There's no playbook. There's no basketball coach giving you the play or a football coach giving you a, a pamphlet of things. You're literally reacting to the game at all times. Can you imagine having to do that while also being aware that mom and dad are sitting there telling, yeah. knowing? And I would I would say that if we can give our kids that back, then this gross this love, this knowledge, this empowerment to make their own decision grows. Right. And I'm I'm struggling to like find ways to get that out there. And that's why Laura and I just feel so grateful to watch you do what you're doing right now. <laughs> well, and it's not an easy thing to, to combat because, you know, parents, I think, realize that it's a high cost for most places, which is a fair thing. But like the way that I try and I framed it to the, to the dad this way, I said, look, you're investing in your kid at this point. This is an investment. What kind of result do you want? Do you want a, yeah. a child, your son to come to you for the rest of your life looking for you to solve all of his problems? Or do you want him to become independent, think on his own, solve his own problems without you? And he's like, oh, that's, you know, that's actually what I want. I said, well, then you got to give him the freedom to do that. And if you don't give him the freedom, you're just going to pull him away from the sport and or you're going to ruin the relationship with him. So yeah, I, I think he's starting to piece that together. In these, in these coaching courses and on the field. And, you yeah. know, if I, if I try to think of the logic of it, just from, you know, observing so many years of soccer, mm -hmm. I mean, these parents are watching coaches who honestly model the same behavior, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our coaches, a lot of coaches. And, and I think if I was a parent, I am, my daughter doesn't play right now, but if I'm a parent and I'm paying, I don't know, what, what do we think? Eight, nine, 10, 11, more thousand dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. Pick, pick, pick a number, keep going. Yeah. Right? And like, and if my coach is laying out and not talking and not participating, oh no, they get pissed. You probably feel like you're not getting your value. Yep. Right. But mm -hmm. I mean, really, one of the most important things about soccer um, is a player being able to make autonomous decisions. And mm -hmm. if you fill that void with your own voice or with the coach's voice or with the parent's voice during the games for the duration of the game. There's no space for them to make decisions. I mean, I've seen it even to an extreme, Kyle, and I'm sure you've seen this too, where, you know, you'll start training or you'll be in a simple anything, passing pattern, sure. whatever. Um, players switch, and let's say it's something free-flowing. Players switch, new players go in, and they know exactly what they're doing, and they've gone through three or four rotations, but they wait for the coach to tell them to go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That didn't used Provide. to happen. Yeah, yeah. That's a new thing where they, they just they don't do it on their own. They mm -hmm. make a decision when someone yells at them. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree. I think it's hundred percent true. I think the challenge becomes, um, this is actually, my dad was a coach for a little while, not at a high level at all, but in grassroots. And he, he had an issue with parents joysticking and whatnot. And this is actually where I got his thing from. He was like, told the parents that I mean, he's like, look, if you want your child coming to you for the rest of their life, because if they, let me say that again, if they, if you want your child coming to you for the rest of your life to solve their problems is because you're joysticking them. <laughs> Let them figure stuff out on their own. If you want them to be independent, you know, self-thinkers, solve problems. Otherwise, keep joysticking and you'll see what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not so 
Yeah, when we when we met in Florida, which was awesome. I mean, I hadn't for whatever reason I've looked at so much of your stuff and didn't even realize that you were near Orlando and then yeah. got the opportunity to meet you a couple of days ago. We talked a little bit about uh development in 7799 and 1111. Mm-hmm. Um can you take us through a little bit when and I, I know that those are, you know, whatever for whatever reason, those are the models that we've decided to go with in games for yeah. various age groups. Um you've you've had some strong opinions and I would say very good opinions on when players should be playing uh, in those uh, models and maybe when they should be staying with 1v1, 2v2, and 3v3. Can you take take us through that? Yeah. Uh, again, I think it kind of comes down to U.S. soccer. So I think U.S. soccer looked at it from the standpoint of, on paper, in theory, 77.99 and 11.11 is great. Uh, but that's only great when you have kids that can actually be successful playing it. And yeah. to fit the entire part of the country or the 98%, they don't have the level. So a great example would be within my own organization. We have three 2014 teams. Our top team can play 77, no problem, because they're good enough. We've had the same group for almost three years. We've been developing them with hours of technical training and 1v1s and 2v1s. In fact, that's primarily what they still do today. Um, and then they finish with a bigger game at the end. But the, the point is, it took them time, whereas my other two groups are nowhere near that level. Yeah, They should not be playing 7v7. They're not good enough. And that, again, those are the average kids versus the ones that are excelling more. The ones that can excel more can go play 7v7. Um, they're going to have to transition to 9v9 next season, which I don't want them to do because they're not ready for that. But that's the name of the game. But to answer your question, um, we, throughout training, our biggest thing is 1v1 to 5v5. Um, and the reason for that is, for me, it's unreasonable to expect a player um, at six, seven, eight, nine years old to be successful in an environment um, like 77 when they can't do 1v1, they can't do 2v1, they can't do 2v2, they can't do 3v2, so on and so forth, all the way up to 5v5. And the average six, seven, eight, nine year old can understand three things from my experience themselves, a defender, and a teammate. So that's why we believe in smaller sided numbers. And then the other side of the coin is when you take a kid and you put him into 77, the majority of the time they're getting pigeonholed into one position. So they're going to be center back only. They're going to be striker only. They're going to be left wing only. Well, then they don't get to learn all sides of the ball. They have one role or a role and a half because they have to transition on one side of it at least, but it's not conducive to long-term player development for the average kid. For me, it's like a math equation almost in that we're asking our kids, we're sending them down for the final test, which is the game. And we're saying, what is, x times x and we didn't give them all of the follow-up to figure out this math problem and that's Mm -hmm. for me what i'm seeing is the issue and again i think when we talk about the parent education side it's not that fun watching your kid play one v one the entire training session i get that you feel like somehow the bigger game is the answer because man oh man i want to see little timmy boot it hard and in the back of the net. And I get that. But at the end of the day, little Timmy will find a way to boot it, but let's make sure that he knows how to be a player and find yep. a pass or when to dribble or when to pass. Like, yep. and again, that's, that's the education portion, I think. Right. Well, I put out a, a reel probably a week ago and I asked this question um, and I got like probably 90 comments from parents. And I said, I would like to know if your son is a first time soccer player, what do you expect them to learn? Yeah, and I said that. Everybody said passing, tactics. And I'm like, tactics. You, you guys are so far <laughs> off, like what these kids need to be learning. And it's like, 
you it, again, it would be unreasonable to expect little Jimmy that has never played soccer before in his life to be able to pick the right option to pass and then yeah. execute said pass. So I break it down into six steps. I say the first thing a child needs to learn is core skill. This is just basic ball manipulation. Second step is in dribbling skills. So this would be things like uh, fakes and fakes, uh, stops and starts, changes of direction, escape moves. Those are actually applicable skill that you can use against somebody. And then mm -hmm. the third one would be 1v1. Uh, obviously, you can implement 1v1 when you're doing core skill and, and dribbling skill, but then you're getting to them to understand the effectiveness and being efficient in 1v1. Because I don't know if you've got to see the same thing. Like kids will do all this skill training, which is great, but then they yeah. don't actually know how to apply it against somebody. The whole point of a skill is to either beat, to yeah. change direction, yeah. or escape from somebody. Apply so, it. like, we've had kids come to us and they do all this skill training, and then they're doing scissors 10 yards away from a defender. And <laughs> 10 scissors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we're just yeah. like, what? That, that is not applicable to the game. Go and the defenders somebody. just standing yeah. there watching 10 right. scissors. Yeah. yeah. And it's just uh -huh. like, that's not applicable to the game. And it becomes the next step. Once you have those three core skills, then you can then implement passing and then receiving. And then once you have those, then I call advanced decision-making. So that would be something like I'm dribbling at a defender. I have a teammate available. Do I pass it or do I try and dribble him? And then why? Yeah. It's based on what the defender is giving me. If the defender is blocking the pass, I take the dribble. If the defender is blocking the dribble, I give the ball up. But yeah. they can't make those decisions without having the tools. It's impossible. Yeah, the irony is that, you know, Timmy and Jimmy, they're going to show up at practice and some coach is going to be like, tactics, and that, that's not going to get them going. That five-year-old is not going to be like, whoa. That's Can I tell you guys a, a funny story? I think you'll, you'll find a lot of comedy from this. So we had a tournament yeah. with our second team, 2014. Um in, in Tampa and they had three games. They won the first one, three to two, lost the second one, three to two. Parents are fine. No problem. Go to the yeah. third game. They get wall up nine to one. So I have three parents message me. They're like, we want to talk to you, Kyle. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> I always know like it, it's crazy now because I've had to change my perspective completely. When our teams go to events and they lose, oh, yeah. I'm no longer thinking about, Oh, what we need to improve the, the kids on. It's, no. What am I going to have to solve with parents because they're kids? Parent management. Yeah. What's yeah. my it's not even about the kids at that point? What's you my email? Who's going to? What's my email going to look <laughs> who's, like? Who's going to yeah, leave? Yeah. So literally, it's the other team. I got three messages and I had to deal with a parent for an hour. Came to the office and talking to him, and you know he's going back and forth because he wants to see tactics and he wants to see this. And I said, okay, let me ask you a question. He's like, yeah. I'm like, can all the kids on the team dribble, beat beat somebody one v one and pass and receive the ball? He said, no. I said, okay. So we can't be teaching tactics until primarily the majority of the group can and he agreed that they could so then i asked him a follow-up question i said okay how far away do you think our team is at current standing compared to the team that you lost to nine to one he said we're a year away and i said okay so if we know that we're a year away why are you actually upset about the result and he's like well i want to see the training to be this way and do this so i said hold on let's go back to the question i just asked you if you mm -hmm. know that the team is a year away from the level of the team that we just lost to nine to one don't you think we're going to lose 99 times out of 100? So what are you upset about knowing that your child's probably going to lose because we're not at the level? I said, what you should be more upset about is that this team decided to lower their bracket because they can do that in this system and just go to a tournament to win versus playing at their level competition. And he didn't want to understand or see that. But I figured you yeah. guys would, would resonate with that message. So I just it's, it's crazy the amount of stuff we have to deal with. We're manipulating all the things around the kids. We're just not focusing on the kids when these things yeah. occur, right? Well, right. and it, I mean, Kyle, I not to toot your horn, but I will. This father is on your team. And here you are, by the way, on your Instagram, 
training pro players to yeah. one score core skill, two dribbling, three one v one moves, four passing yeah. and receiving. Like this is stuff that Ronaldo and Messi are doing to warm up. Like mm -hmm. it, it, it's, but somehow our nine-year-olds get to skip it. And somehow that's, the yeah, yeah, somehow we're just with, with little Timmy it's and Jimmy again or going into the tactics of it. And, yeah. I, you know, I'll tell you for me, I'm a B license coach. Um, Woohoo. Uh, you know, former pro I lost, we lost two of our top players. Um, also, uh, we're 2013 boys to a two year up team. Mm. They, the parents left to go put their children, which if they watch it, I, that's fine. Their, <laughs> their boys are great players. Their, their stature is quite small and they're going to go play up with, um, their 10. So 12 and 13 year olds. And I feel like I, I, I take that right. And I'm sure you take that hard. I take it hard. I'm just like, yeah. wow, I, I failed somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, but on the flip, this doesn't change overnight, does it? This is nope. something that we're all gonna we're all gonna be battling and educating for for some time. It's a systemic issue, and and like I'll give you a perfect example. We had a kid in our program for three years. Uh, he just left us last year, and the exit interview because we sat there with the parents, and I said, I was like, I really want to understand why you guys want to leave. And they said, Kyle, we love mm -hmm. what you do with the older players. Mind you, this kid is nine years old, and. Um, they're like, we love what you do with the older players, but we want to see that with our son and his team. And I said, your kid's nine. He should be doing basics. He shouldn't be doing anything else, but he's being sold on a different program that he's going to learn all these tactical things and all. It's just like, you know, people want, I think you said it, Kat, people want to skip steps. They don't want to master the basics. So like example would be, I was fortunate enough to get a phone call from Luis Nani and First question outside of like, how are you? You know, what, what's going on and whatnot. And I was like, what do you want to work on? What is your, what do you want your training to look like? He's like, Kyle, I need to get sharp. I need to work on fundamentals. And I was like, okay, fine. So he's like, just put a session together. That is what we just talked about. Dribbling, passing, receiving skills. I watched that session. Yeah. yeah. Great. And I'm like, that's what he asked for. And I'm like, but then we have parents that want to take their nine-year-olds to go learn how to play in a box system with four midfielders. And it's just like, let your kid be a kid and enjoy the process and learn how to dominate a ball first. And then when they do all that, then when they get to 13 years old, then we can start teaching them way more advanced tactics outside of spreading out and, and compacting the middle on defense. Kyle, are, is this a, is this a, a sport problem? I, I haven't spent the time. I haven't spent the time doing what you've been doing. Is this yeah. a basketball, football, hockey, lacrosse issue with you sports or is this a soccer issue? Uh, I really don't know, to be honest. I've heard from other people, yes. I don't know much about any other sport other than soccer and or futsal, so I couldn't really add value to that point. I've had okay. comments from other people saying that it's very similar. So from a basketball perspective, like I've had a guy message me, um, big-time basketball, he was a big-time basketball scout, and he's like, dude, what you're talking about has really happened in American basketball where there's this wow. overskill training, and it's not no longer about being efficient and effective. It's about how many, I don't even know what the skill is, but how many crosses can you do between your legs? before you mm. try and shoot. And it's like, that's not the game anymore. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I have also, I have, like I said, I have three kids who spend a lot yeah. of time with families and they're all, they're all saying it's not just soccer. It's, 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 it's right. a, a human thing. It's an American parent thing. Right. And so I think, you know, I think that this is something that 
is maybe just what's going on. And if we can approach it that way, right? Like it's not just a soccer parent thing. And I think soccer parents are also getting a little bit tired of being told they're the problem too, right? right. And so I think that the solution needs to be from a human perspective. Like at the right. end of the day, it's all about the future generation, mm -hmm. the kids. And, and, and I think that's the goal here is to humanize it a little more. Well, again, I don't disagree with anything you just said. It, it's the reason why any of us here, whether you do it, whether I do it, whether Laura does it, it's, we're here for kids. So leave it for the kids. I think yeah. the, the message that I want to leave for parents is understand that probably most places will just try and take advantage of you and charge you a high fee without giving you value. You yeah. can pay your fee, but make sure you're getting value back. So make sure that you do your job to educate yourself. Take responsibility to mm. understand what you need to be looking for at each age range. So U8, U9, U10, U11, and that way you're matching the expectation of what you should be getting. And that way you're not going to get ripped off to the same level. And that's why I give the example, like when I sat down with my family to do the math and we came out to the dollar amount of 82,593 bucks, I was sitting there thinking, could you imagine if I never found that coach that taught me how to, do like I accredit him to like 90% of what I know now. Obviously I, I phrase it my own way and do my own thing this way. But it's like, if I never got that, I would probably be the average soccer parent telling people to, you know, I'm screaming, kick it, boot it, send it, smash it down the field, be bigger, be faster, get in the gym, be stronger. Well, if you can't manipulate the ball first, then what else are you going to add value to the field in, in longer term play? So I think that just, needs to be your license plate, Kyle, 82,000. <laughs> Nine hundred and seventy-two dollars. We just roll right. up. It's crazy. Like I, I literally asked my parents to do that math, and we were sitting there, and you know there might be a miss here and there, right? But sure. it's like, you know, you're going to spend as a parent easily over hundred k now, and it's like, wouldn't you want to make sure that when you make that type of investment, you get the most out of your child's development? I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I don't think it's a lot. So I, and I can give you guys an extra 10 minutes. I just my partner just said, okay, I was gonna say we need to wrap. But I mean, you're you're talking about um, the cost and 82,000. Yeah. I don't know how many dollars. We'll just we'll just call that whatever we want to call it. Um, but you have a resource that parents can use to calculate what mm -hmm. the cost might be over the life of club soccer. Can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Yeah, so I, I put something together. It's free. Just go get it. Um, I have a video first. And then I put a PDF together. And it's what I call the use soccer value calculator. Um, wow. The first part of it is to let you evaluate what your hourly cost is because a lot of places do what I call babysitting soccer. So you can evaluate how much you're paying for babysitting. Um, sure. And then you can, then what the next part is, you can break down what I call the considerations and bonuses. And this is where you actually determine the value aspect. I'm, I'm not going to say that it's perfect. It's not. But the feedback that I've gotten from it, it's actually helped probably 10 parents realize that they were getting ripped off. And what it allows you to do is evaluate, are you getting parent education? Are you getting nutrition stuff? Are you getting free camps, training, whatever it is? And you can, and we can look at it at another point, um, but I'm just trying to quickly give you a summary of what it looks like. And then from that point, yeah. you're going to have what I call the bonuses. So that's pluses, or you're going to have mm -hmm. negatives. And if you're in the negative, that means you're getting less value than mm -hmm. what you're paying for. Whereas if you're on the other side and you're in the pluses, so let's say you're plus one, plus two, plus three, that means you're getting some value over what you're paying for. I don't know if that makes sense. Does that make sense? It, yeah. ma it makes sense. So, so then for our club, for instance, that's a volunteer based yeah. club, why not then use that calculator to show parents value, right? Yeah. Like, that's, that's like, 
That's yeah, that'd be a great way for a club to that's brilliant. value in a club. Because yeah. everybody is always asking about value. And at some point, just like we're, you know, we're in real estate and there's these realtors are like, I can negotiate really good. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, but how do we quantify that? We, I find that in soccer too. Like we're really great and nice and we care about your kid. Yeah. And then like, there's so what a brilliant way for clubs to I can to give go. you, I'll pull it up on my phone real quick. I'll give you some, um, uh, I have it here. Give me one second. Like I'm getting very excited. What a, that's. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going like, to say it's perfect. It's definitely yeah. not perfect, but what it does do it, it gives people a roadmap to kind of figure out absolutely to to use. And it's it also allows us to like hold it and like quantify it, and it be tangible because a lot yeah. of this is smoke and mirrors. It's it is smoke and mirrors. So like some of the bonuses are right here, like, um, and I have it down as a negative one, um, zero, which means it's it's a wash, or a negative one, which is a loss. So. One is like extra training. Do they charge you for extra training? So like, do they have a technical training session on Friday? Example, mm. uh, camps. Do they charge you money for camps? How much is it? So that can be a plus, a break even or a negative. Um, games. Do they charge you a bunch of extra money for games or wh whatever it is? Events, college recruiting, parent education, nutrition education, speed and agility, goalkeeper training. And wow. there's, there's three or four pages of this where you can add up what your points look like. And then you can determine, like I had one guy, he showed me his thing. He had negative 15 and i was like dude then you are completely getting ripped off like i don't think there's a way you can put an actual value on it per se but at least you can understand hey i'm paying five thousand dollars yeah. and i've got all these negatives on my score i'm getting ripped off yeah yeah i mean it's a great tool and you know i think that when we talk about these subjects the hard thing is that it can come off like you know we're anti club or anti something and i mean really it's just anti non-development and paying for not getting a product right yeah, yeah. so i mean tools where parents can go and they can go okay so over the next eight nine ten years wherever your kid starts till they're 18 and they're going off to college you know how many days a week is this for practice how many days a week of this is yep. for, you know for games how many tournaments am i going to how many flights is this and they can go through and do that math that's really valuable yeah right. yeah and just sit down with you know with yourself with your partner whoever and like put it on paper and to be yep. able to wrap I think that's the part of the of the parents too is like we just tell them that you're paying this and then to trust us and the the club and they do which is weird I don't know a lot of places where it's like hey give me a lot of money trust me and, and give me your like, child and your child yeah I'll be around them a lot probably more than everybody else in their life other than their teachers and yeah <laughs> and there's you know there's clubs in our area that no longer allow parents onto the field or around the fields like yeah. you're blocked off you don't get to email like that's the other side of it which i get but let's let's empower the parents that's a that's a great way to do it kyle i like that yeah. a lot and again it's just you know if it helps one person um great and i actually had somebody use it and he's like hey my club's doing a great job I'm like then great you found a unicorn use it stay with yeah. them don't go somewhere else so it's, it's just again trying to help parents because you are the ones paying for the service you can help hold you can help hold the system accountable if you yeah. know what you need to have and you know what it should look like, then you can go, hey, I expect X. And when they don't yeah. give you X, you can then you know, put them to the fire and say, you're not giving me X. And here's now, the thing that I think that I need yeah. to see if I'm going to continue to stay here, right? right. Yeah. yeah. And, Kyle, if a, if a parent, a player, anybody in the game, a coach is watching this and they want to get a hold of you, talk to us about where you're at, your YouTube channels, your Instagram, sure. Twitters, 
give us a way so to find it's you. It's almost all the same way. Um, the only one that's different is my my Twitter. So it's Kyle C. Wilson. So it's just my name, Kyle C. Wilson Official. That's my mm-hmm. Instagram, my YouTube, my TikTok. Um, and then I have Twitter. I think it's at the Kyle C. Wilson, if I remember correctly. Um, okay. And then, like, to be completely honest, I get probably 100 to 200 messages a day from people. Wow. Uh, just on Instagram. So wow. I try to get to everybody. I don't get to them right away. Um, sure. So I try and help out. But most of the time, it's either, it's actually pretty funny. It'll either be somebody telling me that I'm full of shit. It's somebody <laughs> asking me for advice. Or it's somebody telling me that they love what I do. Um, so as long as I keep getting messages from people telling me that they love what I do, I'll, I'll keep producing. And it's 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 kind of crazy that I've, I've actually had five people find my phone number, call me. And, and you know, I, I usually try and answer. But you know, Kyle, you're full of shit and what you're doing is wrong. And I'm like, then stop following what I do. You can hit the block button and move on with your day. It's okay. Like my message is not for you and that's fine. Your so, message of children first and educate yourself is not cool, Kyle. Yeah. And well, what, don't what like the was, fact that you're doing good things. Yeah, this is I, me I think, what, I think what it is, it's the, the big organizations that know that I'm talking about it. They don't want the information to keep coming out because, and this will summarize it for you. I have a friend of mine, a good friend of mine got a job at one of the biggest organizations in the Northeast. They have 13,000 kids in wow. one club. And um, I, I talk to him usually every two weeks and they have staff meetings on, I think it's Thursday or Friday every week. And it's never about what they want to see the kids doing or the curriculum, which they don't have it's budget. Uh, or the training structure. It's, Hey, you're, are you eights or behind? We need more kids in U8 to get our revenue up. Are you nines or above expectation, but we need more kids. It's always just about dollar bills and dollar bills. And then I say that because how can we expect the United States men's national team and now probably the U.S. women's national team to be successful in the long run anymore when yeah. we can't get youth development right? It's unreasonable to expect success. And I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. Like I have a very good friend of mine. He's like a dad to me. He's the uh, technical director of the Olympic Leonie Girls Academy. Oh, so it's gosh. actually called LOL Rain, but um, they're directly connected with the Olympic Leonie boys side. And he used to call me every six months up until like 2021 for girls to come train with the academy. Yeah. Stop calling. And I asked him once and I'm like, right around, you know, 2022, I'm like, hey, you know, you used to call me all the time for like three years. What's up? He's like, we don't need the players anymore. We're good. And I was like, that's a red flag. You were calling me wow. for three years, every six months for girl players, and now you're not calling me. And so, you know, he didn't give me the direct answer, but my assumption is, my thought yeah. is, well, they have an academy that's fully funded. The girls play for free. They're trying to develop girls to go to the first team to become uh, on the OL Reign uh, first team, and then they want to be on the uh, France national team. We yeah. don't have that here on the girls' side at all. Do, do mm-hmm. any girls, not girls, any women's professional team have an academy that's actually fully funded? Not that I am aware of. I don't believe so anybody there has may be, a lot, there a lot may of be one somewhere, maybe. It's not mandated by the NWSL as it's mandated by the MLS, so they don't have them. A lot of them it, don't have them. That, that's my point. But then you have countries yeah. that yeah. Were, not, were not world powers, like France was not a women's world power country. And now that they're developing their own talent by investing into them, they might get there in the very near future whereas we have girls that are getting ripped off left right and center how do we expect them to reach the national team pool because they're not going to be good enough yeah yeah so i i mean we could go on all day about this type of stuff but it's yeah yeah no no well thank you kyle so much for your time i i i think that we're all feeling we know the problem and um 
we'll keep going with the solution. My, my last thing is, can I get you to come talk to our club sometime? Please. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to be one of those 200 messages. I won't say your shit. I'll, <laughs> I'll cheerlead you, but, um, let's get your message out there. Um, even further. Sure. Yeah. Just let me know. We can set up if you want to do a zoom call or something, I'd be happy to or whatever, however you want to set it up, we can figure it out. Cool. Know. Awesome. All right, Kyle. Done. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate thank you you. Thanks a lot, Kyle. Keep doing good work. I'll see you guys later. Thanks so much for your time. But yeah, like it, it, for me, I'm just, I'm not, yeah, the, the, the fact that my kids are in soccer and I'm part of the coaching staff, it, yeah, it, it's, it's a trauma response for sure. And then there, you know, there's parents that are, are genuinely trying to get educated, but they're asking me these questions that trigger me like, well, how does my son get to the first team? And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, my son has been on the second team since we started this he's in fact the only player (laughs) on this entire team who has stayed on the second team and you're coming to me asking me how do i get my kid to the top team so like it's triggering you're like am i doing this wrong yeah should i push for my kid should i advocate is he in the right spot yes now it almost makes me feel like whoa cat maybe you're so traumatized by your experience that you're not pushing your kid harder you know it's yeah it's too much there's some group thing to it that's and i'm like nasty. maybe we need to go learn chess <laughs> or he loves monopoly like can we find a monopoly group of kids because that doesn't trigger me as do bad. you do you find like i didn't realize this until it actually happened which is funny because as you know my daughter doesn't actually play soccer she'll come to things that i put on she'll go to camps she enjoys that yeah whenever she says she wants to play she'll be like i like your stuff and i'm like i do stuff like every six months so i guess guess we don't play yeah um but i was gonna yeah we're talking about soccer one day because soccer comes up a lot yeah um and she it i became aware that she is aware and maybe your kids too that she's somehow like aware that I was good. Yeah. Yeah. Does that happen? And then she she was almost like... Oh, yeah. I could sense that there was some hesitancy to maybe even want to be involved. Oh. Which I was like, whoa. Like, how did that... Because we don't even... Other than, like, talking about what I do or coming with me, we don't have conversations about, like, hey, Grayson, let's sit down and talk about... We don't, we don't talk about the game. No. I mean, <laughs> Cat Tar Real Estate is literally on their practice jerseys when they get dressed. <laughs> And I'm like, never really said anything about it. And then one day, Elias was like, why do we have your name on our jerseys? And I was like, well, mommy sponsors the club. And yeah, you, my middle son is obsessed with the game. You know that. He, yeah. He wakes up in the morning. He, he goes outside. He plays before school. And he's got like a laser focus. Like you can tell that if he jumps into a sport, like he's... I mean, yes. he wants to be coached. You yes. can tell when he plays. He yes. wants information. Yes. And he so he pulled down in up in his room, because he has the biggest closet, or all of my jerseys in this bag. And he pulled it down and was, like, going through it. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, just like, don't do it. Um, and so, yeah, they're starting to recognize it. And then, but what I hate is that they're like, well, I'm just going to be a pro soccer player like mom. And I'm like. Oh. But I find myself doing what Kyle is like, well, it's very difficult. You know, like breaking dreams at seven, dude. I'm doing that because I'm scared. Uh, yeah. And I know what it takes to get there. Well, and a, I'm not necessarily sure 
it's worth it. I know that's so bad to say. No, I get it. I mean, that's the stuff we're talking about. There's a, you know, for enjoyment or for being a fan or for loving the game or for being in shape or for making friends. Like, there's a billion people out there that can play soccer and be involved. Yeah. To give up this much money and this much time and, and weekends like, for 10 years of your family life until the kids go to college. I just got a text message. There are only so many people that really should be doing that. And those should be the kids that, like, wake up in the morning and want to be pros and go out in the backyard on their own and want to play for five hours. And you have to yank them out of it to go to school. And can we get those kids together and <laughs> train them? Those kids should be together. Yeah. Okay. But instead, I'm – and it, it has to happen. I have a text message. It's January 23rd. Hey, families, we're picking our summer soccer um, tournaments. This year we want to do three – and I'm just going, but I wanted to go camping this summer. And and then I have my non-sport friends who are like, hey, what are you guys yeah. doing, hey, what are you doing on this day? And I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing this weekend? Yeah. You hang out like people, no. you know, how people hang out and they, you know. Yeah. And like so much of our lives are around this sport. And I'm going, obviously, if my boys play pro soccer, their experience is going to be significantly different. They're going to make significantly more money. Maybe they can retire. But like, I gave up. Pretty yeah. much my entire life, and now I'm working and doing podcasts <laughs> and selling houses and, like, have to make money. And it's not just us. Like, everybody. <laughs> everybody. Nobody, like, played for, I don't know, five to ten years and then just flat out retired. No, and we're like, like, I'm set. Uh, Nobody did that. No, no, not with, That's not, not that with a vagina. No. That's for damn sure. Not... <laughs> If, if they had a badge, they are definitely working today. No, the guys can do it. The guys yeah. can play for maybe not most of them in the U.S. But you know, no, no, that's a great point. Actually, how many of the men who are playing MLS have to go get a job after? Oh, probably almost all of them. All of them. Yeah. Actually, I know MLS. Maybe guys. not Messi. Messi probably doesn't <laughs> need to go get a job after. He, maybe yeah, he's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but no, I, but you're others. right. Yeah, so a lot of them are coaching. You know, some of them work for here, Adidas. I know a couple who are. Yeah. So actually, great point. So do I want my boys to miss out on the camping trips and all of the fun stuff, and the dances in school, and all of the things to go to college, and then maybe or maybe not. Because, yeah. as we know, it's difficult to get there. And then if they even get that far, then to go play pro, to play a few years, then get out of there, like, with two knee surgeries and, like, a bad back, and then go get a job. <laughs> you know what I'm finding hard, too? Again, my daughter doesn't play soccer, so it's funny that I, you know, have thought through some of these things. Yeah. But, you know, I also think as a, a parent, going to training, like, as a parent feels a lot different for me. Like, you know, I've been in the rat race so long that, yeah. like, if my team's training three days a week, I'm like, of course we're training three days a week. Here I go. Yeah. And then if I step outside that, and now I have to drive my daughter to a training three days a week and then go to games on the weekend. Yeah. For some reason, that feels very constricting and weird yeah. for me. Like, it doesn't as a coach, but it does almost as a parent. As a parent. But also, you know, like, to your point, if, it, if it's that way for players, right, and they're giving up all this time, then the parents are also giving up all this time. And you're almost giving up this time with your kids. So you're paying all this money to not hang out with your kids. Are you putting them in an environment and with coaches that care about them and are doing the right things for them? Or are you just teaching nine-year-olds tactics that are over their heads and they can't understand because that's what the coaching licenses told them to do and it makes them feel like... Well, that I think that's <laughs> what makes me feel crazy, honestly, is that I know my kids love soccer. And don't get me wrong, we love going to practice. We like the families. I feel really blessed to have great families. We have pool parties. We have watch soccer at our house. Your clubs like, also, not all clubs are like that. No, and, and that's why like I, I, that's why I'm at this club because yeah. that's important to me. I am spending that time. But 
at the end of the day, I think that's when I when I hear Kyle and I and as you know, I was in the I was a youth director. And guess what? I, I, I came out of pro. They're like, here's the youth director job. You're going to oversee is the, the biggest club in our community, X amount of teams. And at the end of the year, if you get this many kids, we're going to give you a bonus. And at the end of my contract, as you know, um, I didn't hit that number, but I had like so many great ratings with the parents. I, these, you know, these parents are still like buying and selling houses with me no, 10 love, years. No, they love you. It's yeah. 10 years later. They're like, well, if I can't do this with you, I'll do this with you. Yeah. Them. I mean, we had parents cr- <laughs> like literally crying that I was leaving and, and I made no extra, I didn't make a dollar for that because I didn't hit more numbers. Yeah. And I'm afraid of that for my kids. Yeah. I think that's. That they're a number. That they're a number. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's this just like, it's this battle. Do I, what I've changed. Here's the other thing too. What I have changed the soccer stuff for myself. No, I wouldn't have. I would have still done what I did. And so there's that piece too. You know I, I, I mean? would have moved to the Bay Area earlier and then stayed and then been involved in Facebook and Google. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're way smarter than I am. I mean, I had a good time. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I mean, I wouldn't give up, like, you know, all the training and the friends and the people. And, like, I mean, I, I would still want to participate in that. But, I mean, as yeah. you know, like, to be a pro or to do it very, very well at an elite level, like, you're, you're it doesn't leave your mind when you leave the field. Like, yeah. it becomes an obsession that you have to focus on it more than everybody else if you want to be yeah. better than everybody else. Yeah, and then when you leave it, it's, like, of such a big fall. Yeah. And that's the last thing I would say is, like, I my worth, as you know, I still struggle as a 36-year-old woman. Like, my worth is tied to the accolades. Well, I'm still involved. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It, I still, yeah. Yeah, you still do, I, you still do it. In the environment, I love it. In the yeah. right environment, I do. I love it. But there's so many wrong environments. Yeah, and I don't, I guess I just want my kids to not grow up and have the mental health issues I have. <laughs> They say some kids are in middle school, high school. What's the process look like for them to be able to get recruited? Because for baseball, like you have to be oh. setting up footage and doing all these, all these things. How early? How early in baseball? Are they sending? Yeah, recruiting. How are, yeah, when I mean, do they got to enter? Some guys, they're getting looked at like pretty much freshman, sophomore year of high school. Okay, really, yeah, really soccer is similar. They, yeah, they try to they stop that now, and they've put the brakes on a little bit. But I mean, I think we can all say that there are certain outliers that are going to be starting to be looked at. But yeah, so most will be will come later, but there's some guys that are just, you know, insane yeah. athletes. Um, yeah. But yeah, how much of that, or if someone is in high school playing soccer, what do they need to do to be able to get recruited and get their skills out there? Laura is going to speak to this better than I am because she's in the college game. Well, um, gosh. And I mean, the thing is, is who you know? Uh, a ton of it. It can all be who you know, right. frankly. I mean, as long as you know, there's a floor. Like, if you have no athletic skill and you're really out of shape and you can't move, you're not going to play soccer. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the college level. Um, but if, you're, if you've got an athlete who's been, you know, in a soccer system where they've gotten training over time and they're, you know, somewhat invested and they like it and um, they don't have to be the obsessed kid that's at the quote-unquote best league and the best club in the area, you don't necessarily need that. I mean, I for example, I have an assistant coach from college who uh, made the choice to put her son in a local club and then coached him the entire time and that was what the path that she chose they could go to bigger clubs they have the um, ability the resources the connections to do all the things that are bright and shiny that everybody tends to do Um, that's the path they took Uh, he ended up going uh, to the school that she went to which is Berkeley which is the school that I went to and um, he just got drafted 
So, I mean, they never went out of that system. They never went like, okay, let's let's commute two hours and let's go to this place and let's get... They just they didn't do that. And, I mean, she's a woman, right? And she coached boys' teams for the whole time. And you know, nobody talks about that path. I mean, how many times do you hear about, you know, MLS professionals or people getting drafted that took a path of a smaller club and were coached by a woman on the men's side? That's a path. And he, uh, I think, what he was Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably because he's driven and they're you know they've got they're connected and he works hard and he's a great player and good environments um no the coach at cal he's amazing so i mean you just kind of found the path that worked and but if you find a path that works it you and your kids motivated right that's kind of the piece i think that always gets lost is that the parents take that on and it's easy to do. I think if you're paying ten to $20,000 a year for your 13, 14, 15-year-old and you see that out that you're going to be doing that for the you know duration, and it's hard to just pull out of that, I think, once you're in it. Yeah. Um, it becomes part of everybody's identity. It becomes all of your trips. It becomes all these things. Um, I, th- I think, too, that like when I was playing, as you know, I moved to Washington in the middle of sixth grade. I was 12, and I joined – the mom and pop, the Angels, which, you know, Mike. You joined the Angels here? Yeah, I joined the Angels, which was Maggie and, and Katie. Oh, and, that's, okay. Yeah. In uh, Vancouver? Uh-huh, yeah. Actually, Katie was a bit, yeah, I joined the Angels. Most of our close Those friends. Some good point. The Angels Lori, were really good. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, well, there was only one team in Vancouver, right, if you played soccer. And so I joined that one team, and it was the girls who wanted to play soccer. And then there was <clears throat> another team, like, there were two teams, and then they merged those two teams, and then we became Columbia Premier Soccer Club when I was, like, 14, right? But that was the main group of friends stayed together until I think I was 15 or 16 when I left, right, when I started having to make. But I was, like, so comforted. I loved my – those women are our close – like, my close friends now. We hang out with them all of the time. My, our kids hang out, and I felt still very – like in love with the game because it was where my best friends were and I felt safe in the game. And now if if that would have been me, my parents would have had to make a decision on Oh gosh, yeah, totally different. 10 clubs. Moving you from your friends, yeah. Uh-huh, like oh, you can't play for the Angels cuz If if I would have moved here when I was 12, I would have have to decide between in just Vancouver, mind you. Um I would have to one, two, three, for do they all play each other yes about the quantifying the experience and then knowing Mm -hmm. what you should be getting yeah what you could be getting what you could be getting and if it's free or if it's an add-on yeah yeah how much additional they want wow because we don't do that we're like parents this is what you need to know and that's all you need to know and if you want to know more than that then you're the problem if you're asking questions and yeah trusting us and you're a problem and we got to get you out of here yes and versus like having something that we're all working off of that like we can hold each other accountable for feels oh, like such a big breath of fresh air and so, so that's that why got to get that calculator dude <laughs> <laughs> seriously like an app for a club the calculator that we're all just keeping Ooh, we should message him we should we should make that an app you probably will have it done tomorrow yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's like wah, 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 wah. here you go <laughs> yeah idea. here's the app no i think it should be an app it should be an app. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 